One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wrestle, 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 hard, wrestle. Aggressiveness. How to become more aggressive. Having the killer instinct when you wrestle. Gene and Jeff Zanetti, your coast-to-coast mindset coaches. Welcome back to another great episode of Mindset Monday. That's right. Everyone wants to know at this time of the year, why is my kid not wrestling aggressive enough? Or how does he become more aggressive? We get, we have... Hundreds of people coming in literally this month, January. It's a big, big time of the year for wrestlers. And almost everyone is saying something about, I want my kid to wrestle more aggressive, or he's wrestling very aggressive in the practice room. But then when he comes to his match, he's hesitating. He's not, he doesn't have that killer instinct. He's not aggressive enough. So today we talk about how can he wrestle more aggressively? What are some simple steps to wrestle more aggressively in the season, postseason, and really every match? Wrestlers and parents say it all the time. The kid's clamming up. He's freezing. He's not doing what he can do in practice. They're, they're doing it a lot in practice. They're aggressive. They're taking chances. They're throwing caution to the wind. Then they get in a match, and it's very different. Too cautious, too conservative, too hesitant, not pulling the trigger. So we got to work on building it. A lot of people don't realize that that's a mental muscle. Aggressiveness is a mental muscle. It can be worked on. Sure, some people are born naturally more aggressive than others. And we, and we want to make sure, of course, the kid is aggressive in the right way, being tactfully tenacious. So there's a way to learn it. And we're happy to give you some strategies today on how to learn to be more aggressive when it means the most. That's right. So let's start with the pre-match routine, which we talk about all the time, right? I was just at the, um, the GMC tournament, Girls Wrestling Championship, Middlesex County, New Jersey. I went with my daughter, Diana. We saw, some, we saw the, really the growth of girls wrestling in Middlesex County. I mean, you go back to 2002, 2004, maybe there were three, four girls in the whole county that were wrestling. I had very few, and very few were wrestling for the whole season. They had 12 weight classes, brackets of six to eight. So St. Thomas Aquinas um, in Edison, New Jersey, where we grew up, they were the champs of the tournament. That's what, They hosted the tournament as well. Really cool to see the growth of women's, um, women's mindset as well. But women's wrestling in, in the GMC 
uh, Middlesex County, New Jersey. And, um, and also we got Faith Woodward, the new president of Women's Wrestling Mindset. That's what I'm thinking of. And she's growing this um, nationwide, not just in New Jersey, not just in Middlesex County, but throughout the country. She's done a great job. We, she was recently named as a president. She's a great mindset coach for the company. And now she's traveling all the United, all throughout the U.S. to, um, to grow women's wrestling. Point is, she's seeing it. We're seeing it. Most people are the most nervous. So what are, when you say aggressiveness, what's the biggest block to aggressiveness? Nerves. Nerves are the biggest block to aggressiveness. They, yep. We have fear. We have anxiety. We have worry. And when is that most likely to happen? The 15 minutes right before you step on the mat. All teams do a warm-up. That, that happens roughly an hour before the match. But that's when you're with your team. Everyone's together. When do you get into your own head? The 15 minutes before you step out there. When you're on deck, when you're on double deck, triple deck, that short amount of time is when things go off the rails. And that's when a lot of times very aggressive wrestlers start turning down the aggressiveness when really they should be turning up. So how do you turn up? Consistency. You have to have consistent thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. And that comes to our pre-match routine. Go you're going to say something. I was just going to say, that was the first question I got right when we got there, we set up our booth, me and my daughter, Diana. The first question, a girl came up to the table and she said, you know, how do I wrestle more aggressively? How do I, how do I block out those nerves? And the first thing I told her is being more consistent. We talked about a pre-match routine and specifically that the hands-on drilling, right? One of the elements of a pre-match routine is making sure you drill before a match. So I, so I asked the girl, before you go live in practice, what do you do? And she's like, we drill. And I said, how about during a match? She's like, well, I'll just kind of bounce around, move a little bit, you know, in my stance. I was like, are you drilling? She's like, no. I was like, well, maybe that's part of the reason why you're getting more nervous and you're not wrestling aggressive enough. So the first thing is, is you try to make, we try to make practice more similar to a match and a, more, and, a, and a match more similar to practice. And one of the ways you do it before you go live during that pre-match routine, not just during the warm-up. So at some point, at least, you know, 10, 15, within the 10, 15 minute period before your match, you're drilling, right? And, and everyone's going to be a little bit different. Some people are going to be more intense hand fighting. And for some, it's going to be just drilling for feel, but definitely get your hands on a partner and drill before you wrestle a match because it's more like practice and you're way more likely to be aggr more aggressive and less nervous when you drill before a match. Deck, double deck, or in the hole. No further out than that. Right, and you see this for high school and you see this in college. You see this in dual meets and you see this in tournaments. You watch, if you attend tournament, you attend dual meet, you watch what's going on. You could see the two people who were gonna wrestle each other and very frequently, for a half hour, an hour leading up to their matches, there's no human contact. That's completely different than practice in every way. In practice, you're constantly having that human contact. Hands are on them, their hands are on you. You're moving around, you're in the field, so that you're, you're in that groove. And then once you go live, live becomes a continuation of that drill. Well, matches and tournaments are almost the opposite. There's no flow. There's no groove, and then you step out on the mat cold, and then you wonder why, you know, dual meets, that's the case also for dual meets. And then they step out on the mat, they wonder why they're cold, they don't get their engine running until the second or the third period. We could think of many matches we've seen like this. I remember Rutgers Ryder match, two of the best guys on the team, we've been following them since they were young kids, they're both very aggressive wrestlers, 0-0 first period. And yeah, 0-0 first periods happen. But when there's no major shot attempts, no flurries, no major scrambles, that's saying more about the, the mental and emotional state of the wrestlers than it is about their, their actual, uh, the score. 
right? So zero, zero first periods. Also, if you're a big wrestling fan, you want to grow the sport of wrestling, zero, zero first periods are horrible. I mean, neutral is where the action should be happening. Happening uh, when, when you see people, a lot of times people will complain when there's top bottom and there's and there's riding because some people don't understand the riding. People shouldn't be complaining about neutral wrestling. That should be exciting. That should be fun. So that drilling before you step out there is critical. And the teams do it. The, be the best teams are drilling before they go out and wrestle live. That's right. We talk, you mentioned it, but we talk about this was Brands Met back in the Metcalf days at Iowa. Brand said that he's got to get his engine running before he starts the match. He can't get his engine going in the second and the third period. Everyone knew that Med Metcalf had that endless gas tank, right? But he wanted him to be firing at all cylinders in the first period, just like he is in the third period. And one of the ways to do that is hands-on drilling. Make sure you're drilling before your match. Right. He said, get your motor running before you step out on the mat. Never get into a situation where you're easing into the match. Right. That's garbage. Not feeling your opponent out. You don't want to be feeling them out. You want to be imposing your will right away. And now remember that hands on drilling. That's only one of the four elements of a great pre-match routine. Briefly, briefly, I'll mention the others. So we, we already have the hands on drilling. There should also be some uh, some element of fun, something you're doing to smile, laugh, not take yourself so serious because that's what most wrestlers do. So you want to offset that by moving in the other direction, keeping the mood light and fun. Then there's your dynamic stretching as opposed to static stretching to make sure you're waking your body up, your neuromuscular system up as opposed to calming it down. And then there's, and then there's also um, deep breathing, taking a few deep breaths to keep yourself calm, relaxed, and in control. So all four of those are important. Now, the thing is, I can mention all four of those, but how many wrestlers that are watching this will then take the time to script out a full pre-match routine? And then once you script that out, then you have to make sure you're practicing it on a weekly basis. That's, again, where the mindset coaching comes in. One of the major benefits of having a mindset coach, we help our wrestlers. We go through this with them. We help them build a pre-match routine. And there's little nuances in there and individual characteristics that the wrestler brings to the table that the mindset coach can now give feedback for. So now when you're going through that pre-match routine, it's optimal for you. And you're getting that accountability that you practice that every single week outside of matches to get yourself in the right mindset. So just like there's levels to the game of technique, there's levels to the to to mindset, making sure you're working on it. And a mindset coach could help you do it. That's right. Next, the next thing I got written down is alter ego. So probably the most unique series that we have in our program, developing an alter ego. That's one of maybe, maybe not the second, but one of the one of the first things I remember talking about at um at the county tournament that I was at this weekend. A wrestler's like, I just went through your alter ego, alter ego program. It was awesome. Um, so talk a little bit about that. This one is maybe something that most people have, have not heard of before. You've heard of it, but it's very different than how we approach it in our, in our program. So an alter ego, how can that, what is it? How can that make you more aggressive? So an alter ego is basically just stepping into a different role. It's a, it's a visualization cue of stepping into a different role when you enter a certain environment. So in this in the situation with wrestling, you're stepping onto the mat. How do you step into a different role and take on different qualities and characteristics that are optimal for your success? So what does that mean? You're a nice person. You're caring. You're loving. You're respectful. You're not looking to do anyone harm. You're a good person. Great. That's exactly where you want where we want you. When you step on the mat, you need to turn up. You need to have that killer instinct. You can't feel sorry for your opponent. That's a very difficult thing for a lot of kids to do. We hear a lot of parents say, 
my kid's too nice when they're out there on the mat. And what you learn is you get to the higher levels of, of wrestling, it's kill or be killed. It's you or them. And they're looking to dominate you. You're looking to dominate them. I think of some of our practice days in college, and I had the good benefit of being at two colleges, both Rutgers University and the University of Pennsylvania. And at both places, what do they have in common? If you're having a bad day, your practice partners, who are generally, usually some of your best friends, they'll unapologetically beat the tar out of you. It's, it's that bad. Like they're not going to, they're going to smell blood and they're going to be all over you. So the point is you need to learn how to turn up. You need to learn how to flip the switch. That's the more common way of putting it. People say, how do I flip the switch? Some kids know how to flip the switch. So this is, it, it's like a visualization. It's, it's, a, it's an imagination exercise basically that's utilized by people, by performers across the board. So we see this with athletes. Let's say, you know, the UFC fighters, they have, a, they have a nickname, right? So, you know, John Bones Jones, notorious Conor McGregor, right? They, they step into that role. They become that person once they enter into the octagon. That's the benefit of having that nickname. We've seen this with highly successful business people, uh, salesmen, where for them, one guy had lions all over his office. Another guy had rhinos all over pictures and images. And when he stepped onto his sales call, he was a rhino. When this guy took the reins of his business as a lead, as a leader, he became a lion. We see this with uh, entertainers on TV all the time. How many of these um, actors or singers they they change their name, or they have some kind of on stage persona? I look at Eminem. Seems like a guy who's quiet, probably more introverted. Doesn't seem like he really likes to be bothered. Well, he's Marshall Mathers, but when he when he, when he steps on the stage in front of tens of thousands of people. How, okay, what do you do? You go from introvert to extrovert. So he steps into, and it's not Eminem. His his persona is Slim Shady. He becomes Slim Shady, who takes on all these other qualities where, hey, lose yourself in the music, the moment you own it, right? That kind of thing. So he's able to he's able to flip the switch in those moments. And again, we see this with singers, with actors. So the key is, if they could do it successfully in all these different areas, you could do it on the mat. So think of something that you relate to. You probably have something like this naturally. We were obsessed with Superman when we were younger. We had the Superman shirt. Okay, so if that's you, maybe you step on the mat, you become Superman. Uh, you know, Spider-Man, it doesn't have to be that. It could be a, an animal. We've heard Bulldog, Charlie Sledgehammer. You literally pick whatever it is that you like. Uh, we had one guy who called himself El Nacho Libre. We told him, we, I don't think you really understand what we're doing here. This, this is kind of serious. But I could tell you we worked with a women's program for Beat the Streets, if you remember, New York City. Yep. And they had, and for them, they all picked an alter ego on the mat, and then they got those like fake tattoos, not a henna, but like something on something on their leg. And then during their match, they would slap that, they would slap their leg right before they stepped out there, like they were entering into their alter ego. Um, it's so common. You've seen this all the time. 30 for 30 on Sports Center. Uh, uh, the Boz. That was the big one. He was the guy who wasn't aggressive enough. He became the boss. He flipped the switch. Deion Sanders, prime time. Uh, you, you just see it over and over. Um, Sylvester Stallone in Over the Top. He turned his hat backwards. He said he felt like a truck. Right. Uh, Mark Schultz in his book, Foxcatcher, he said when he took his hoodie over, over his head, he, he became a different person. So the point is developing an alter ego, picking a name and picking these different qualities and, and these different things that you do, very practical, tangible things you do to step into that role before you step on the mat. And I mean, there's been many wrestlers we have. They said this is the best lesson they've ever heard. And, and honestly, this isn't something I've seen in any really like psychology or sports psychology textbooks. 
this is this is the way we developed this. We reverse engineered the whole the whole thing. All of psychology talks about how do you get people to be less aggressive, and understandably so, right? You don't want aggressive people roaming the streets. Well, we said, okay, well, we need to get people more aggressive in a certain situation, being wrestling. So we did the opposite of what they were telling people to be less aggressive. And that's how we developed the alter ego. And I guess I could assure you, Gene didn't take notes before the call. I'm the one who takes notes. And I would say you hit on every like common example that we give when we talk about the alter ego. So that's that's well done. One thing I would add to is, is uh, just having good role models, right? If you want to be aggressive, find aggressive role models. Like we watched Iowa wrestling, right? There's a reason we're black and gold back there, right? We loved Iowa wrestling when we were younger. And it was like, you'd see guys like the Brands brothers, the Steiner brothers, Gable, right? Gable running a chicken wing on someone back when it was, when it was legal. And it's like, that's how you're supposed to wrestle. For us, it's like, this is what wrestling looks like. So it was it helped us to flip the switch because like, that's what good wrestling is, is like. So I have to wrestle more like that person. Remember brands before the Olympics, he would, he would slap the mat. That was one thing he would do to help flip the switch. Right. So it's, it's just having different role models could help us, right. Develop your own alter ego so you could flip the switch, but then also what do you want to, what do you want to wrestle? Like, who do you want to wrestle? Like, and then watch them, you know, and watch them not just for the technique, but watch them for the aggressiveness. And I think that's something that we did a lot of things wrong. We would have done a lot of things differently. That's one thing we probably did really well. We had good role models like Brands and, and Smith, and they were highly aggressive wrestlers. A quick break from today's podcast. Wrestling season is here. Wrestling Mindset is the number one wrestling-specific program anywhere in the world. This season, make sure to work with a Wrestling Mindset coach to get the mental edge so that you can build confidence, stay motivated, and bring out your best when it means the most. Wrestling Mindset works with hundreds of wrestlers and teams each year. We have a special offer this season for our podcast listeners. Go to our website at wrestlingmindset.com, click on the free trial session, type your name and information. In the last section, you'll see additional information. Type in podcast discount. Wrestlers will receive a $100 discount and teams will have a $200 discount for any team program. Again, go to wrestlingmindset.com, Click on the free trial session. Type in podcast discount under additional information. Wrestlers will receive a $100 discount in their first month, and teams will receive a $200 discount in any team program. Get the mental edge today. Now back to our podcast. Right, And, and I don't think our style was particularly similar to the Brands Brothers. No. But I guess to our own detriment, they're high-level wrestlers, right? Maybe the technique should have been more similar. But the point being is that you can still benefit from wrestlers that you that are not necessarily your style when you're looking at them. Another video I remember watching in, in college was the highlight tape by, by Cher Dog. She used to make all these old-school UFC people, Kazushi Sakuraba. And he was, he was called the Gracie Hunter because he went through all the Gracies. This Japanese guy who is just a complete freewheeler when you watch him. It's like he could punch, he could kick, he'd, he'd jump into submissions. Like he, it looked like he would do anything. I didn't wrestle anything like that, like almost nothing like that. But I used to like watching it and saying, okay, that's what I want to be. I want to be aggressive and go after the guy. And what does it do? It gets more, it, it helps you pull more potential out of yourself when it comes to aggressiveness. So yeah, have those role models, those high level role models, and even local people who are very aggressive. And the other thing is to watch videos of yourself. Was this the third point? No. Uh, well, good, good. I'll, th I'll throw it in. Also, watch videos of yourself. 
I was going through this with, with one of the top wrestlers in the state the other day. I said, use use video, use the video of of your match also as a tool to to teach you how to re- how to want to wrestle. So in other words, he said he was struggling with aggressiveness. Well, watch watch videos of yourself when you're at your personal most aggressive, whether it's off season, in season, last season, doesn't matter. Just put on videotape of you wrestling at your most aggressive to program yourself, not looking at it for the technique so much. There's a time and place to watch a video for technique and correction and analysis of your technique there. But there's another time where you're watching that video for, okay, this is the way I want to wrestle. Go, go, go. Aggressive. I try this. I try that. I'm going after it. I'm taking chances. So use that video to your advantage of this is how I want to wrestle. Watch videos of you when you're at your most aggressive. Yep. What I was going to add is um, we learned from one of our mindset coaches, Ben Ryder, a teammate at, at Penn. And he trained, he was in Bellator, fought in Bellator, a very good MMA fighter. He trained with John Jones. And he said before his fights, he would watch like 30 minutes to an hour of like lions just attacking their prey, right? He wanted to be aggressive. Yeah. But even, even a guy like that who, I don't know, maybe he's aggressive by nature, maybe he's not, but he's doing more to compete more aggressively. And we've all seen him fight. And the key, and the key there is, remember this, that may make no sense to you at all watching lions that might not do anything for you personally that's okay we're not telling you you need to watch lions what we are saying is you better figure out something that works for you because these high level athletes it's easy to chalk up the the success to oh well this guy's juicing this guy's on the juice or whatever he's on you know the point is what are they doing from a performance point of view to extract the maximum amount of potential that's the real question you should be asking yourself not just brushing these things off what are they doing? So he's watching Lions. Maybe that's what you need to watch. Maybe you need to watch something else. But you got to find what what works for you. So and that goes with this entire alter ego. It's it's not just oh I pick a name. It's how do you build that character? What thoughts do you have? What behaviors does this character have? Creating building a monster. You're Doctor Frankenstein. Imagine you started from scratch. What kind of neat and exciting mentalities and thoughts and emotions would you throw into to someone if you were creating a monster? Usually what you would program that is exactly what you need. So right. that's Mo- it. Moving, moving away from the alter ego, another thing that's going to be important to help build confidence, I think we touched on this last week, is focusing on your strengths, right? It's going to be tough to be aggressive if I'm thinking about my opponent's strengths. Watch his headlock. Watch his double leg. It's like, I better be thinking about my offense. Otherwise, I'm probably not going to be aggressive. I'm going to be wrestling on my heels if I'm thinking about not giving up a takedown. So you're going to be more confident, but also more aggressive when I'm thinking about get to my, you know, get to my tie up, get to my low single, get to my fireman's carry, whatever the technique is, focus on what you want to do, right? That goes into a lesson on clarity too. We could easily move into clarity. You need to know, what am I going to do? Where am I putting my hands on the whistle? Right. If I want to wrestle aggressively, I can't go into this match thinking I, I, I have no idea what's going to happen. Sure, you don't know exactly what's going to happen, but you should know where you're putting your hands on the whistle. Where do you want to tie up? You know, what what takedown do I want to hit right away? And maybe something happens where you hit your number two, your number three, your number four takedown or just shot defense. But at the same time, I should know what I'm doing. So focusing on your strengths and having clarity in your technique, knowing what you're most likely going to hit in the match. And then, like you mentioned before, really trying to impose your will. Oh, yeah. I had a great 
great conversation and in some ways unfortunate conversation with Ben Provisor back at the um, Olympic Training Center. At the, we were working with the Greco team the year after the Olympics. And, and, he, and he shared with me, he said when he was out at the Olympics, what he, his biggest regret was that he was thinking too much about what his opponent was going to do to him. And, you know, Olympics could be a single elimination. And there it is, biggest match of your life. And when you think about it, take how many times national team is Ben Provisor? Have you ever have you ever felt him? Felt like you ever grabbed him? Does he ever put hands on you? It's like he the guy the guy's solid as a rock. Okay. And also his mentality is extremely strong. And and he and he opens up sharing about this. It's like, hey, if this happened to a guy like him, this hap this happens to all of us. I know I've been here a whole bunch of times, but he said if he could go back, he was more physically and technically prepared for any event in his life. And then in the Olympics, that first round, thinking a little bit too much about what his opponent does. Maybe it was a headlock. I think that's that's what what he was saying. But he said if he could go back to that Olympic moment, he uh, you know, which hopefully gets that opportunity to do this upcoming uh, this upcoming year. But he wouldn't think about what his opponent's going to do. He would think 100 percent on what he was looking to do to his opponent. He, In other words, he would focus on his own technique. And that's what we're saying here. Your focus is going to have a huge impact instead of what's he going to do to you. Get to your tie up, get to your setup, get to your shot. Basically, win the next 10 seconds. Don't think about winning the match. Win the next 10 seconds. Other coaches would say just continually the whole match, improve your position. Wherever you're at now, just improve your position. If you're constantly improving your position, you're likely to win. If you're constantly trying to win the next 10 seconds, you're likely to win. And it chunks down the match instead of a six, seven minute match. You're just thinking about a short amount of time. Yep. And then the next point is train and practice to wrestle aggressively. Right. We talked about we had um, the Bell Glass Offs. They were at a clinic in New Jersey a couple of years ago and they were talking about, you know, how do you make somebody more aggressive? Well, make sure you take six leg attacks, six good attacks in a minute. Right. So that's one good leg attack, one good attack every 10 seconds. You know, it's a rule of thumb. It's not gospel, but it's it's a pretty darn good thing to shoot for. Right. I'm, I want to make sure I'm firing off technique, you know, offense within 10 seconds, every 10 seconds. So. Do that in practice. You know, my goal isn't just to win or to get one extra takedown that I normally get on this guy. I want to make sure that I'm attacking every 10 seconds, really making a solid leg attack. And it doesn't mean be stupid and take a dive bomber shot, but it's like I really want to set up a good shot. And if it's not 10 seconds, 12 seconds, okay, fine. But we're not just we're not looking to dance around. We're looking to score points. So it starts in practice. And sometimes we talked about this also the other day is that you might need to go with partners that are lighter or not as good as you. Sometimes you get in a situation where your team is so good that you're always wrestling somebody who's maybe a lot better than you, right? So it's really tough to get your offense going. So you might need to wrestle someone who's not as good as you or somebody who's lighter than you so you could actually feel your offense more. And that's something that, you know, not everyone's going to have that problem. Sometimes that that's, takes care of itself in a high school room. But if you're at some of these schools, like I think of like Adele Barton or Bergen Catholic, you know, they have great workout partners. It's going to be tough to beat people in the room, right? So making sure that you're wrestling somebody that you could you could put together, you know, a leg attack every 10 seconds. Yeah. And, and if not, at very least trying to do that, making that as a sub goal. Yeah, I want to beat this guy. I want to win this match in practice, but I also want to take a lot of leg attacks. I want to be offensive. I want to be aggressive. Right. Let's let's um. Let's combat the critique even before we get it. Are you saying that we should only be going with people we're a lot better than in practice all the time? Nope. <laughs> no, I'm not.
No, I'm not. <laughs> Time and place. For most part, yes. For most part, you want to challenge yourself. You want to go with a, you know, a very, very good opponent. You know, try. We always say try to find the best person in the in the room. Wrestle with them. Learn from them. Beat them. But there's going to be times where you might have to find somebody who's lighter and not as good as you, so you can fire off a lot of offense. You yes. feel good about it. You build confidence, but you also build aggressiveness. It's back to what we said with the video, and it goes back to the Bible, the timeless wisdom that, that for everything there is a season, for everything there is a time, right? Well, you watch the video sometimes for technical analysis. Other times you watch the video to, to get yourself emotionally in a place where either motivated or this is the way I want to wrestle out there. Same thing in practice. There's a time and place to wrestle lighter guys, time and a place to wrestle heavier guys, time and a place to wrestle really strong competition, which again is most of the time. It's not saying they're equal. Just because we say for everything there is a time does not mean those times are equal. Most of the time you're trying to wrestle the best people you can. There's, there, there is a small percentage of the time, though, you will need to wrestle at least slightly weaker competition that you know you can score on a lot for the purpose of working your offense, being more aggressive in matches. And this the same thing. It's like there's a there's a time in practice for speed drilling. There's a time in practice for extremely slow and light drilling. So again, all these little nuances and all the, these balancing acts that you're getting, trying to find the optimal point at this moment, at this point in time in the season, it's very hard for a 15, 16, 17-year-old kid, 18, 19, even in college, to know when to shift their weight more towards one side or the other, which is why, again, everyone needs a mindset coach, an expert in wrestling and in mindset where they know, okay, now you need to pull this back, more of this, and then less of that. It's not an easy balance. So let your mindset coach help you work through this. All right, last thing, bonus section. Do we want to address a critique we received? So we, uh, we sent out an email about youth mindset tips, and the first one is always don't cut weight. Right. As a youth wrestler. So, again, youth, there's there's a lot of um, intricacies, I guess. Anytime we, we write an article, anytime we put out a blog or a podcast, that's why we really made the podcast. So we could dive deeper into some of these areas because it's easy to say don't cut weight as a youth. But, you know, there's kindergartners and then there's eighth graders that could be technically be considered youth wrestlers. So how much is too much weight cutting? Uh, let's I guess let's dive into that a little bit. Should you be cutting weight? What if you're overweight? What are some what are some rules of thumb when it comes to weight cutting? Yeah, that's that's the best way to start from the rules of thumb, because because not all not all questions can necessarily be answered in the manner that they're proposed. So <laughs> right away, it's like, should a kid be cutting weight or not? It's like always the best thing to do is always start with the principles. You want to build the house rock solid on principles. Then then you build on top of that. And then that's when you get your answer. So first and foremost, you want to be eating healthy all year round. Why? Health, your body, long term. It shouldn't just be wrestling. You shouldn't just be thinking about wrestling. Healthy eating and what you're putting in your body is lifestyle. And just looking at wrestlers, thinking back to us when we were when we were younger, uh, and and even looking around, seeing the the population of the wrestling community, didn't do a great job of that. A lot of overweight people in the wrestling community. A lot of um bad decision making when it comes to food, and we're guilty of it too. I'm sure got a few more pounds than we should have on ourselves. <laughs> you you got to be looking at it. You got to be looking at this more from health and nutrition. And also a lot of kids, you know, they, they care about being ripped and in good shape. If you're eating healthy, you're going to be ripped because you're putting in a lot of, a lot more time of conditioning and strength than the average bear. So 
Number one, eating healthy year round, starting with that. Exercising and training year round. If you're eating healthy and you're exercising year round, you're going to be in pretty good shape. You're going to be very close to the weight that you should naturally be at. Now, we know when we're talking about like childhood obesity and, and things like that, that's a, that's a completely separate issue. That's, some, that's something else. That's working on healthy eating and exercising all year round, making it a lifestyle. So wrestling, in this case, should be forming you to be a fit person for life, a fit and healthy person for life. And that's what wrestling's done for us. I mean, sure, we're comparing ourselves to, you know, our, our bodies when we were competing. We're saying, I'm not in as good a shape, but we're still in shape. We could still go. So that's how it's got to be. be. Looking at it from that perspective, you're, ne you're never going to be obese if you're exercising frequently and you're, and, you're, and you're eating healthy year round. So taking the time of what you put into your body, you should always be close to your weight. Now, then you get into the cutting weight is well again if because cutting weight to me means water weight it means you're putting the sweats on and you're doing an extra workout for the purpose of getting some water off you and that's that's traditionally what wrestlers refer to as cutting weight you're it's the day before the match two days before no one calls uh you know the week before a match cutting weight or maybe like okay yeah, off-season tournament no more than a week you're not thinking about cutting weight it's mostly water weight limiting your your eating and and the water Shouldn't be, shouldn't be that far off your natural weight. I mean, you should be coming in, you're a high school, college kid. No reason you shouldn't be at more than, shouldn't be more than 9% body fat. I mean, come on, you're, you're below 22 years old. Get yourself in better shape. Eat a lot healthier. So from there, if you're in eighth grade, sure, maybe you're losing like pound, two pounds, really not much more than that. Shouldn't be cutting, because the problem is you got to be a better wrestler. That's the key. The main reason why you're going to this tournament this weekend, the real reason why you're competing is to get better at wrestling. You become better at wrestling by focusing on being a better wrestler. So that's what I would say. You should be putting more time into going to your club, getting privates, working out with your team, asking better questions, analyzing your technique more, working more in your strength, working more in your mindset, not pulling weight. I mean, a lot of times that's just soft. I mean, how many... Let's face it, the main thing people are coming to, well, the guy at this weight is really good. Or the person that they, they feel really big. It's just a weak mentality. So almost all of that could be reduced to mindset because mindset is also planning your meals and planning your exercise year round. So am I thinking about cutting weight? Yeah, it's mental weakness, really. Yeah. Say, so how about a wrestler under fifth grade? What's the, what's the most? Ba basically, no. eat, eat breakfast after weigh-ins? Yeah, I mean, like basically we did. Where our dad would say to us, it's like, it's like don't, don't eat breakfast until after weigh-ins. That was it. That's all we did. And that was the right mentality because you know what? We, did, we, did, we always liked wrestling. We always wanted to be good at wrestling and we're still involved in wrestling. There's a lot of people after their wrestling career, we talk to a lot of them who are very good wrestlers. They're done with the sport of wrestling after they're done. They're done. They don't want to coach. They don't want to be involved. They don't want to even see a mat. Well, when you run someone down like this from such a young age, it's, it's no surprise why. So- Again, a lot of this stuff can be reduced to mental weakness. If you're thinking too much about cutting weight, it's really mental weakness. So you got to be working on your mindset. Good answer. Good explanation. I think we cut it there. Yep. We're hiring. We're looking for people. We can't hire fast enough. We need good people who want to be mindset mentors for kids. We have a lot of, again, year ago, year ago, <laughs> 10 years ago, I believe I was the only one providing service. Now we have over 100 mindset coaches across the country.
Why is that important? Because if one person's providing service, only a few people can get help. The more mindset coaches we have, the more people get help. And the more people stay involved in the sport of wrestling. We can't afford to have people leaving wrestling and not, and not being maximally involved. We want all of our good people who want to help other people to stay in the sport of wrestling. What better than a mindset coach? You do it from home. We work with teams on Zoom. We work with individuals over the phone. So we're helping a lot of individuals. We're, we're helping a lot of teams. If you're interested in being a mindset ment mentor, of course, we need your resume. We need background on you. But let us know. Reach out to us. Mindset at WrestlingMindset.com. Get a hold of us. We need part-time people. We need full-time people. But you got to be good. We want superstar mentors. If you think you're a superstar mentor, get a hold of us. As we always say, whether it's wrestling, school, business, or life, mindset makes the difference. And we'll see you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.